This episode of Coach to Coach is brought to you by my coach training program for academics and higher education professionals. In each training course, we meet weekly to explore how we can hold space for clients, listen for the things that they care about most, and help them to achieve their goals through focused questioning, activities, and tools. If you think that becoming a coach might be a fit for your professional development goals, you can learn more about the coach training program or sign up for a 30-minute Q&A session with me to ask all of your questions at higheredcoaches.com. Cohorts begin in January, April, and June, and I'd love to have you join us. Welcome to Coach to Coach, a podcast dedicated to showcasing the power of coaching. I'm your host, Dr. Katie Linder, and I offer coaching to academics and higher education professionals to bring more ease to their lives and work. This season, I'm excited to share conversations with some of the participants in my coach training program. I get questions all the time about how people know it's the right time to become a coach, what the various career pathways are that lead to coaching, and what people decide to do with their coaching skills after earning a credential. This season, we're tackling all of these topics and more. A huge thanks to each coach in training who offered to come on the show and share about their experiences with learning this new skill set. In this episode, you'll hear from Dr. Brenda Lovegrove Lepisto, a healthcare professional coach in training with certification expected in 2021. Brenda currently works as a behavioral health academic program director at McLaren Greater Lansing Health System in Michigan where she teaches behavioral science to family medicine resident physicians and is co-director of graduate medical education wellness. Brenda, a clinical psychologist and child and adult psychoanalyst, possesses a lifelong commitment to facilitating personal and professional growth in herself and others. Hi, Brenda. I'm so excited that you are joining me on this season of Coach to Coach. I am excited too. Hi, Katie. So I thought we would start, uh, Brenda, just by learning a little bit more about how you came to know about coaching as a thing. (laughs) Some people come through it because they're a client, other people encounter it in different ways. Can you talk a little bit about how you came to be aware that there was a thing such as a field called coaching? Okay, sure. I became aware of the field of coaching years and years and years ago um, when I was in practice. There were sometimes patients would say things like, I think I need a coach. I need to be coached about this. And so I became aware that there was such a thing as a coach that wasn't necessarily on a sporting team uh, uh, field. So that's where I first became aware of coaching. So people will have heard your bio in the beginning of this episode and know a little bit about your background. But as you're talking about patients and and working with patients. Let's talk a little bit about um, where you were and what you were doing pre-coach training and kind of what you're doing now. So people kind of have a bit of a context of your professional background. Okay. I think, I'm not quite sure, but I think I was, um, I had just transitioned from a full-time private practice. I'm trained as a clinical psychologist, play therapist, psychoanalyst, um, had a private practice for many years. I think I became aware of the coach training and wanted to do the coach training uh, after I had transitioned to a new job in medical education where I was, um, 
precepting, which means um, kind of teaching on the fly uh, internal medicine residents communication skills. Yeah, I remember when we were first emailing about the program, you were very interested in the concept of questions. You're like, I feel like I need more questions <laughs> I can ask people. And that was part of what was so interesting to me about your background and kind of thinking about how are coaching questions different from the kinds of questions you might be asking in your practice. Can you talk a little bit about some of the differences you've seen there in this past year as you've been practicing with both hats on? Mm -hmm. Yes, I love the uh, coaching questions. I use them all the time. And the reason I like them, um, and not that I don't like the question, the normal questions I use, they're just focused at a different aspect of a person than the coaching questions are focused. And I like the coaching questions and I really wanted them because I was training internal medicine resident physicians usually not from the United States, often with preconceived notions about mental health and what constituted good communication, people's psychological well-being. And I found that my toolbox was not full of the right kind of questions. And I felt if I could get some of these other questions and be thinking more about how can I ask a question versus make a suggestion or ask a question in a way that someone would be inspired to answer it versus feeling they had to come up with an answer. And I thought that this might be a way to gain that skill that I could then translate to my um, precepting and teaching along with other places. So you are someone, Brenda, who I would say is pretty advanced in your field. I mean, like this is a set of skills that you've been developing for a long time. And I'm curious if you can talk a little bit about why you felt like this past year was the right time for you to develop this skill set in coaching. You mentioned wanting more of the questions, but sometimes there's kind of this timing question of like, how do I know this is the time to kind of do this work? Can you talk a little bit about that decision and, and deciding to kind of pivot toward this direction? Well, the, the quick and uh, dirty answer is that, you know, I only have so much more time in my professional career, so I'm going to be doing it now. Um, so the other reason, I guess, of why I thought it was um, beneficial is I wanted to do this um, training for myself, not for any other reason. I have done all sorts of trainings over the course of a lifetime. We all get to do lots of different things if we're fortunate and have a curiosity. And I wanted to do something that was just for me. And I felt like as a sideline, it was going to benefit me in my job for sure. I felt like I wanted to have something that was not the same as the psychotherapy practice. I've run a business for 30 odd years. I didn't want to run another business, but I did want to stay in touch with those folks who want to grow and change and want to find out what's inside of themselves. I have a, I've just incredibly curious mind when it comes to how people think, their behavior. I mean, even creatures. Uh, I'm sort of interested in the whole gamut of behavior and communication relationships. And so I felt like this was a perfect opportunity. And my institution was willing to fund it because they also saw it as benefiting them 
but I did it for myself, not for the certification, not to start a business, not for anything other than I felt like it would benefit me. Um, and I think it's benefited me in ways that I wouldn't have predicted. So it was a kind of an extra bonus. Okay. Well, we definitely want to hear about that. Can you tell us a little bit about what those benefits have looked like for you? Yes. So, um, Throughout this coaching, first of all, I was able uh, to take your course, which I valued a lot. And I also wanted to have, I could have just taken one course, right? I didn't have to go for anything because I wasn't really working towards any, toward anything. Um, but I wanted a, a systematic learning. I believe in that. And I believe in curricula and that we are guided in thoughtful ways to our ends if we're fortunate. Um, and I also wanted to... Um, think about myself, where I'm going, what I'm doing. Um, this is a time of my life. I get to do whatever I want. I want to, I want to, I'm always saying, all I want to do is have some fun. Um, I just wanted to have some fun. Mm -hmm. uh, and I felt like this added to that because I became, first of all, I had the class. I became connected to folks who, um, while in different spaces and, and stuff than I was, are just wonderful human beings. And I loved that. And I loved listening to their growth, their change. I love to hear their questions. I got a chance to listen to all of this. So that was a benefit to me um, in, in terms of having a variety of styles of coaching. And then I was able to take away some tricks and tips for myself. So when I get stuck, sometimes um, writing my morning pages, I think, oh, I'll ask myself a coaching question. Or I get into a situation where I feel like I need to um, figure something out. I think, oh, I can ask myself a coaching question. And so I will ask myself the coaching questions. Um, not that I don't take advantage of my cohort, um, who I have some very uh, close uh, colleagues and we trade coaching and, and I get benefit from that as well, which I didn't know I was going to get. Um, I do have a whole source of coaching questions myself. And finally, I feel that my relationships, especially with tricky relationships, um, meaning relationships where the person and I maybe have some conflict or we have a different approach to life, uh, different communication styles. I can use my coaching tools and I have then, I, I can then sit back. I can think about how to ask something in a question versus offering it up as a maybe a question, but in a statement way. So it kind of confines what they can react to. I can open it up so they can react to lots of things. And I have found that it just improves my relationships uh, all around. So those are the extra benefits I didn't really think about when I was thinking about getting some more questions and acquiring a new skill. Mm -hmm. I love how that's been so personalized to different aspects of your life, Brenda. So I want to dig in a little bit more to your background in psychotherapy, because this has been such a benefit to me as the facilitator of this training that we've been able to have multiple conversations about what we see as kind of the differences between coaching and therapy. And this is a part of the curriculum to make sure that everyone understands, you know, when to refer a client um, if they are exhibiting signs of needing therapy versus needing coaching but this is an area that I know has been a real curiosity for you, just given your background, you know, that you have the skills of psychotherapy, but then you're coming into this whole other skill set. Can you talk a little bit about that experience of just kind of, you know, working through this new skill set when you already have a really well established skill set around questioning, around kind of digging in people's behavior? 
Uh, tell us a little bit about that journey. It was complicated. It's still complicated. <laughs> <laughs> I was just talking to somebody, a, a new client the other day, and I'm like, hmm, let's see, what are we talking about here? And I'm thinking in my mind, how is this going to be turned uh, in ways that either I want it and feel comfortable with the coaching hat on, or am I thinking about the psychotherapy hat, but the psychotherapy hat has a lot of constraints to it, right? It's a, it's a regulated profession. I have a license. I have malpractice considerations, which I don't carry malpractice on myself anymore. I have it through my institution, which is different. Um, so there are lots of different uh, rules that I have to uh, follow and not get into than the regular you know, average coach who doesn't have this kind of training. So it, in that way, it's, it's complicated for me. Um, the other, the other place that it becomes complicated is, um, in terms of, of your question about the curriculum, it becomes complicated to me. And I was talking to another person again about this the other day. I talk about this with every every person I coach with, I think that's in our class or whatever. Um, but what is what I'm struggling with now and kind of working through my mind is, so uh, coaches think they know when to, um, to refer someone to therapy. Okay, but they're not therapists, so they don't really know because they're not therapists. Like they can guess, um, but there's a reason we all had to go through a million years of school and exams and like whatever else to diagnose and to treat and that kind of thing. So where does it, where is the line drawn? And then how do we know people are really drawing it? Uh, sometimes I'm not so sure. And then where's the overlap? Because there's a lot of overlap. Um, there are um, very benign overlaps, but there are also some overlaps that are a little concerning to more so to me probably than maybe the average person and maybe more than necessary. Um, I haven't quite <laughs> sorted that out for myself yet. I'm overly sensitive to it um, because I, I know that, uh, for instance, I was talking with someone the other day, the, pay, the uh, coaching client was is in therapy. And um, so now, we, now we've got a dilemma, right? Because now we've got somebody who was in therapy, um, who the, the onerous of the treatment is going to go on that person. It's not going to go on the coach. The coach can do whatever he or she wants to do. Nothing's going to happen. It is going to, going to happen in, in spades over here with um, the... The, the psychologist, like she's responsible. So if advice gets, you know, given or um, things the coach is doing is actually complicating what the psychotherapist is trying to do, then we got a problem. And then sometimes it, it comes around where the coach thinks, well, there's no progress being made. So now we should intervene and try to get that person out of therapy because nothing's happening. But really the coach doesn't know because the coach isn't in therapy. All the coach knows is what the client is saying, which because it's very different to be a psychologist than it is a coach, we don't necessarily say because you feel great, you're doing great because that's not the case. Sometimes we have to go to some mucky, yucky places 
feel kind of lousy for a while to get enough motivation, anxiety, to mobilize our resources, to actually confront a problem. So that doesn't mean you're making progress in the sense of I'm feeling great. So all of this becomes complicated uh, to me, Katie. I'll stop there with this. Um, I could probably go on for the rest of this podcast. Um, but that's where it becomes you know, complicated for me. And I have lots of thinking to do about it. And not very many answers <laughs> about the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, well, this is something, I mean, it's it's so interesting to me too. I think that it's, it's really complicated um, for me as well in the ways that you've kind of described because I do work with a lot of clients who have taken kind of a, what we've called a team approach where they are seeing a therapist, seeing a coach and, and maybe have other resources that they're kind of working with. And one of the things that you and I have talked about in the past is the challenge of that is that the coach is not talking to the therapist and the therapist is not talking to the coach. And, and so there isn't really a collaborative approach to what's happening. If you just have the client in the middle who is telling you whatever they're telling you about kind of how things are going. And from the coaching perspective, our goal is always to trust the client and, and to kind of go with what the client is saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's, it, it does create kind of this interesting, um, concern as you're raising that the coach is not doing something that is, is working in an opposite direction <laughs> of what the therapist is, is kind of trying to have happen with this client. Um, so this is I, the area of coach training, I would say, where I get the most questions is how do I know when the client is saying something that should be referred to a therapist? And, and we talk about this a lot. There's a white paper that was written by the International Coaching Federation about referrals. So I can link to that in the show notes for people to take a look. But I think you're right. I think it's incredibly complicated and layered. And um, I don't know that it's something that you're going to figure out, you know, overnight in terms of just like, what does it mean for your own practice? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's 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 uh, it's a tricky one. And, you know, I've given thought to what we've talked about, Katie, um, a, about a team approach. And, um, you know, I see benefit in that in some ways. Uh, I also then, uh, then uh, of course, are very uh, protective of my, um, my patients. And I'll use that word for the people I see, not necessarily because they're sick, but because it differentiates them from the coaching clients. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I have, a, a, you know, a very strong uh, feeling, uh, especially given in our society, the stigma around mental health. Uh, concerns that their privacy and confidentiality be protected. And I also appreciate that when you do give a release, so if I was, if you and I were treating the same, you were coaching someone, I was treating someone, um, then that person says, um, well, I'd like you to talk to Katie. And, you know, I want you to find out, you know, like what she's doing with me so you can understand what's going on. Then I would have, you know, I would be thinking now, Okay, so do you, does that mean an exchange of information? Does that mean information is going one way? She's talking to me, but I'm not talking to her. And then if it is going both ways, then what am I allowed to say? And what am I not allowed to say? And do I make that decision? Or do you make that decision? Or maybe the three of us meet together. And maybe the three of us could talk about how things are going and, and how we're looking at things. Um, and so, and so we could, you know, work to the same ends in some way, or one or the other of us could back off from something that might not work well Mm -hmm. for the other person, you know, like, I guess really now that I'm thinking about it, I think that that might be, uh, 
an interesting approach I'd love to try from, from the psychologist's perspective, actually, um, to have somebody and then to, to say, you know, let's the three of us talk because I have talked with other professionals uh, with my patients before, a dietitian, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, for someone who's having um, an eating disorder. I've talked with dietitians. I've talked to teachers. I've been in teacher meetings with parents and kids sometimes too. Um, and that is truly, I think, a team approach. And that is much more regulated in the sense that the, the patient being or the patient client being worked with has some control mm-hmm. over the flow of information. Maybe that would make me more comfortable now that I'm thinking about it. Um, so that's my latest thought. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many layers here. I mean, I think about, for example, you know, clients that I've worked with in the past who are seeing a therapist and it's helpful sometimes for them to disclose that to me so that I don't have to ask and say, you know, is this an area where you have support? Because oftentimes I will set a boundary and say, I'm just not professionally trained to assist you in that area. And I want to make sure you have the support structures that you need. Um, I think specifically for, um, I'll give an example of like an eating disorder knowing that a client is being treated for that will change how I talk about maybe like motivation around or like rewards, you know, like I might say, Oh, you know, like go, go have a reward. That's like a, a treat, you know, or, or a glass of wine or something like I'm not going to use food-based reward structures. If I know that a client is dealing with something that would be problematic in that way. So there's mm-hmm. certain things, but I think the other challenging piece as a coach is Oftentimes there are a lot of things that clients are dealing with that they just don't disclose at all. And, and we have no way of knowing that. I would imagine this could also be true in psychotherapy as well. Mm -hmm. You, you only know what the client is telling you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that it's, it's kind of a reminder to me of the, um, the limitations to some degree of kind of the work that we're doing, but also a constant reminder to trust the client that, you know, like they're going to tell you what they want to tell you and what they think is relevant and it may or may not include, you know, all kinds of information that, that we could, I don't, I, that would shape our questions maybe, or that would shape our approaches. Mm-hmm. You know, I was thinking Katie too, about your question, um, like when to refer. And I've thought about that a lot because a lot of uh, the issues can overlap. And I was talking um, with someone the other day about this and how would we decide, uh, you know, in, in, how would I decide? Uh, I think, you know, what we kind of thought about was um, when someone starts asking about the dynamics of a relationship, uh, you know, like asking about why does so-and-so do this? Why does so-and-so do that? Um, You know, when so-and-so says this, then it makes me say that. Why is that? Those are really coaching questions. Coaching questions would be more like, when I get into this situation, what would be a way I could approach that situation um, and communicate what I want to communicate, yet uh, feel okay about it? Oh, okay. Well, we can build some skill around that. We can build, you know, some, some strengths around that kind of area. So that seems more coaching. So when you get to the what and hows and skills and ways to approach things, that seems more coachy to me. And maybe the psychotherapist would be doing so. I mean, I always did some of that anyway, but not in the same focused way. 
as a coach would do it. And I think that when you start getting into these relationships, why isn't my relationship with my wife better? Well, you know, if you want to say something like, what can I do to make my relationship better with my wife, then you could say what has worked in the past? What do, strengths do you have to draw on? What good experiences can you think of? That's coaching stuff. So that, you know, I, I think when I hear things that are not more cognitively based and definitely outside of the dynamics, motivations, drives, defenses, um, that kind of thing, then I think more coaching. Um, but if I think of them in those other areas, then I have to think about, it's kind of like how the question is framed. It's not necessarily the, the, the topic or yeah. the, you know, underlying question, I guess. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think that, um, and this is what we try to kind of differentiate, but as you're pointing out, it's complicated because sometimes it's a very nuanced way of how is the client framing the question I think this is why having exploration sessions is so valuable because I've been able to find in some of my exploration sessions that a client is coming in with a therapy mindset. And mm. I've been able to say, I, I'm not sure coaching is the right fit for you. Like if that's what you're looking for, that's more of a therapy approach. And, you know, I can give you resources to help you find someone, you know, who would be a fit in that way. But in an exploration session, you're able to kind of understand what is what are the goals of the client? What are they trying to accomplish? And like you're saying, based on the way they frame those questions and goals, it does, I think, help you to understand, can you help them or not based on kind of your area of expertise and the skills you have as a coach? So um, it's so interesting. I mean, I agree with you. I, we could talk about this like you know, for hours and hours. And, and we have, I mean, we've gone back and forth and, and had a lot of dialogue about this because I want to pick your brain. <laughs> what does it mean? You've been such a valuable resource to me in this area, but I do want to come back, Brenda, to your coaching journey and thinking about, are there certain things that you have in terms of your skill set that you're kind of pulling from this past experience that you think have been beneficial to you as a coach? And maybe are there skills that you're like, I've really had to set some of those things aside, you know, in order to come into this coaching space and kind of understand what that looks like to put on the coaching hat instead of the psychotherapist hat. I have, um, a, I have a great deal of ease <laughs> talking with new people. <laughs> uh, I have a great deal of ease for these one-to-one -one conversations. I don't, I feel quite confident whatever's coming my way is, is going to be, you know, something I can handle. I don't feel anxious uh, about that uh, really at all. Um, I mean, I know people, I know sometimes I, I listen differently, which is sort of a double-edged sword. Um, so I, I do bring that skill with me and I do have to talk to myself about it sometimes. Um, but I, I think that, you know, rapport building, listening deeply, um, just having a real sense of satisfaction when someone moves along in the direction they want to move along with, I bring that with me. Um, the curiosity about how someone's thinking, I love to, to talk about that anyway. So um, that uh, certainly comes along with this. Mm -hmm. And have there been areas of coaching skill that you feel have been challenging for you at all? I mean, where you've had to like take one hat off, put another hat on, and it's switching your brain a little bit to be like, oh, okay, this is the coaching perspective, not the psychotherapy perspective. 
And often, <laughs> uh, unless I'm getting better at it, and I can tell you that with experience, I'm getting much better at that. Um, it's very hard for me, uh, it doesn't come naturally for me to um, not formulate quickly, put pieces together, uh, follow an algorithm. I mean, all of these things, diagnostic you know, considerations, all these things are things that are very cemented in my life at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, so those are hard for me sometimes to ignore. Um, and I always worry that I'm ignoring something that shouldn't be ignored, that I should pay attention to it. But then I just tell myself I'm not, I'm not acting as a clinical psychologist in this setting. I have not advertised my, as, myself as such. I am not in that professional role. Like that is not my role at work. I am not a psychologist that is, I'm a, now I'm, now I am sort of a psychologist, but anyway, I wasn't until recently. Um, but uh, it's really a, a different, I mean, not, now I've kind of transitioned to sort of like a health coach, sort of, I mean, a little more than that, but mm -hmm. sort of like that. Um, so I think that that has been a, um, a struggle for me um, a little bit. Um yeah, I probably, I probably think, and I'll put that in big capital letters, that I see more than um, maybe other people are seeing or hearing in an interaction. And sometimes my alarm bells go off. Um, but I'm used to being, I'm, I'm a cautious person and I'm used to being, um, you know, really conscientious about that. Mm -hmm. And this has been a relaxation of that to some extent. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So when you say, you know, trust what the client says, I mean, I, I, I don't necessarily uh, trust what the client says. Um, I, not that I don't believe them. I believe them. And I believe this is how they're thinking. And I believe that this is the, the place that they're going. But I don't believe that everybody has knowledge of everything that's going on in their minds. I believe there is an unconscious, um, and you could call it lots of different things, um, but that it, that does exist. Um, for all of us, including myself. So that I get tripped up with a little bit um, sometimes. And I just tell myself it's not my business. So don't look at it. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I kind of go on. <laughs> I'm getting better at it. I'm really getting better at it. Because I, I, I think Katie Wood has made the difference is I have found more value as time has gone on uh, in the, um, like, what would you say more? I, I see, I want to say superficial level, but that that would be really not pejorative. Um, it would be more like the, um, the conscious uh, decision making that people make, I have, I have seen and, and gotten more value of that, and paying attention to that as a way to deal with some stuff that might be a little bit more submerged. And watching that kind of flower um, bloom in a different way, uh, maybe slower, maybe not at, at, you know, the pace that I would need to go in, in my practice or something, but it, it, it grows. And so I feel like that with that confidence, um, it has become easier to mm -hmm. put aside the, the psychologist hat and put on the coach hat. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, Brenda, if there's anything else that you want to share about this journey that you have been on over this past year and how this has been for you to open up into this new skill set and, and use it in a different way? Um, 
I think what has been fun for me over this past year is something that seems to be a part of my character that I, I realize now is that I always sort of like to be in places where I don't belong. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of fun being with, you know, like all of you academic people when I'm in a healthcare professional person and I actually have a practice oriented degree. I have a PsyD and not a PhD because I'm like an MD only in psychology. Um, and uh, I, I love that. That was just a lot of fun. It was um, kind of enriched my life and in ways I could learn about well, all sorts of issues that I, that I didn't necessarily know about so much, um, despite the fact I'm married to a professor and I have a couple of professor kids. Um, but this was, um, it's fun. It was fun uh, to be a part of this uh, community. And so that was something that was um was kind of, you know, something I, I really hadn't thought through. I just thought, I'm going to get some questions. <laughs> I'm going to do this for myself and I'm going to grow and change. <laughs> and then it, it kind of came with more than that. So, well, kind of I <laughs> added so much to this community, Brenda. And we were so fortunate that in this first group, we had you kind of bringing the psychotherapy background. We had an ethicist, like we had yes. like this incredible, like melding of people who are bringing all these different perspectives. And it, it did enrich in you know, and make this just incredibly rich experience for all of us to kind of be thinking about this from all these angles. So I'm so glad you were part of this community. And I'm so glad you shared your experience on this episode of Coach to Coach. Well, me too. Thanks, Katie. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Coach to Coach. For any resources mentioned in the episode, check out the episode show notes at drkatielinder.com slash coach. If you found this episode to be helpful, please take a moment to rate or review the show in Apple Podcasts or recommend this episode to a friend or colleague. Thanks for listening.